0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at shepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor. coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 140, and today we'll be in John chapter 14, continuing to move through chapter by chapter through the Gospel of John. And we're talking about pastoral ministry, and I want to give you shots of courage, and I want you to get one after another, after another, after another. And we want to shepherd like Jesus. That's what we're learning. Pastoral lessons from Christ. Uh, But first, we're going to talk Memorial Day and my vacation, or maybe in the other order, order, vacation and then Memorial Day. That's why I missed the episode last week. Let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help. Lord, we just thank you for this time. I ask for direction. Holy Spirit, point us to Christ. We thank you so much for this opportunity. God, thank you for all that you've given us. There's so much in front of us that's an amazing, just amazing gifts, and we want to enjoy those gifts, and we want to steward our responsibilities well, take on more and more responsibilities, and, and do that for your glory and honor. And help us to do that. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. Hope things are well. I'm going to sip on my coffee here and just talk to you about how things are going. We had a great day yesterday. Um, the boys were sick, actually, so we didn't get to go... To our lord's day gathering in our church which is a bummer but we went afterwards and looked at our new church building and have ideas about what needs to be done we've got to remove a wall we've got to get new lighting fixtures uh, we've got to put a fence in because our kids run around outside and have been used to running around outside on the four acres that we've been that our church building currently sits on so we're moving across town and we're doing that because you know we've been in this church building for four years it's been great But we're running out of space. God keeps giving growth, and we just don't have any room. I mean, every parking lot, every parking spot in the parking lot is taken up, and we've got wall-to-wall people. It's just a good problem to have, and so we're moving to the new building, and we'll be able to accommodate about 220 people in the sanctuary, which is really good. Um, And I think the max we've ever had of people is around 180 people, and so we'll have room to grow. And that was our biggest, you know ever attendance. And so uh, God has been gracious and given us a lot of great families and it's an exciting, exciting time, exciting season. We just got a lot of work to do over the next month to get ready to be in the new building. Um, missed last week's episode because I was in Branson, Missouri. We went to Branson with our family. My mom put us up and it was a great time. It really was. If, if you're a single, you know, or, or if you're a newly married couple and you have no children, Branson may not be the best place to go. But when you have a family or when you're retired, I tell you what, Branson is a lot of fun, and we got to do several different things, and everything we did was a blast, and it was just kind of a go, go, go vacation. But it was really good for us, and we're glad to be back. But that's why I missed last week. Interviews this week will be back up. You're going to be hearing from Scott Tungay on Thursday. And Scott's been on a lot of interviews recently, been learning from him and getting to know him a little bit, so I'm excited about that. Okay, let's talk Memorial Day real quick and patriotism. And I say real quick, not because it's unimportant, but just because we're going to get to John 14 here and continue our series. For years, I would look down, just like the current Gospel Coalition and that uh, kind of the big evangelicalism's view of patriotism, I would look down on those who loved their country, who loved America. And I really didn't understand it. In fact, I was sitting around one time with uh, some people that I really respected, and they were talking about, they're older than me, and they were talking about America, and they started crying. And I remember being so weirded out that anyone would cry over a country and over love for the country. And I thought, boy, this this is idolatry. I mean, this is messed up here. And I have now come to realize that I was the one that was messed up. And when we celebrate Memorial Day, we're celebrating those who have died, bled and died on the field of battle for freedom from tyranny, to fight for freedom. And we, I don't want to confuse the terms here. When we say freedom, I used to think like oh, freedom, you know, freedom's only found in Christ and freedom are, is found in, in Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and freedom is found in communist China and real freedom in Christ is found everywhere. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Freedom in Christ is accessible to anybody who knows him, and anybody who knows him has it, and it's not any question mark on the end of that. You have real freedom, true freedom. So so that's wonderful. We want freedom in Christ. Yet we want freedom also from tyranny. We want freedom to be able to work with our hands, to be able to mind our own affairs, and to be able to take care of ourselves, to be self-sufficient. In the sense that, not a bad negative self-sufficiency that that is a straight up individualism that doesn't want to give your gifts to anybody and doesn't want to receive gifts from anybody in the body of Christ. But the kind of freedom that is freedom from tyranny, and we've experienced tyranny over the last year and a half. And I have come to love our country, love America, love this American project that's that's been now a couple hundred years going strong. And loved the American Revolution and what they fought for, fought for the law of God and for the law of the land. And they were not this kind of revolt like the French Revolution. They were this, we want to stand with the law of God and we want to stand with the law of the land. Therefore, British, you are violating our law and you need to get out. And, and that's the kind of freedom, that kind of freedom is, is what we should be fighting for. Freedom from tyranny. Freedom from government interference in every aspect of our life. And that's what people who have freedom in Christ long for around the world. They want the freedom they have in Christ to be represented in their society. Where the government is not lording over them power and control and trying to pull their strings. They want the same kind of freedom they've experienced in Christ to be represented in their in their world. And that's what we want to see. Every Christian should be a Christian nationalist. We want the freedom we have internally to be manifested externally. And we don't want the government interfering or controlling anything in our lives... We don't want them controlling our households. We don't want them controlling our churches. We don't want them controlling our cities in a, in a way that is unhealthy and unright. We want to be biblical in every area of life. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, it's been a great thing to study sphere Sovereignty with by Abraham Kuyper. It's been a great thing to be able to understand the law of God through the theonomous vision, which is another way of saying the, the puritanical vision, the, the law of God and the word of God and all of life, would act, which actually brings the most amount of physical and actual liberty to the most amount of people and the least amount of government tyranny to the least amount of people. It's just an amazing thing when you actually lean into the law of God. It does the opposite of what you think it would do. When you hear the accusations against theonomy or the law of God, you hear it's like, man, that's going to be Sharia law and that's going to be a terrible thing. No, 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 no. The law of God actually brings freedom in societies and it actually brings accusation against the individual soul to the, so they turn to Christ. It, it, it brings us to Jesus. But then we find this law of liberty at work, and uh, that's what we want in our world, in our society. And so that, that's when I'm thinking about Memorial Day this year. I'm thinking about the law of God and the law of the land, and I'm thinking about the freedom that our warriors, our, our soldiers have fought for. And that's that freedom from global tyranny. It's that freedom from government tyranny. And it's the, freedom that we've been ex- uh, it's the freedom that we've not been experiencing to the same degree over the last two years. And so I am incredibly grateful and have been more and more patriotic. I have a don't tread on me flag right there. I love America, and I think you should too. And uh, we should thank God for all that he's done there. And we should honor those who have fallen in battle. And so this Memorial Day, I am remembering those who have fought against tyranny, and I'm thankful for them. Okay, John chapter 14. We've been mo- moving through, and I've been sounding the alarm and sounding like a broken record every single week because what I've wanted to do is learn pastoral lessons from Jesus. And we want to be compassionate in the ways that Jesus was compassionate. We want to be the lion where Jesus is the lion. We want to be lamb, the lamb where Jesus is the lamb. And we want to recognize first and foremost that we have a chief shepherd, that Jesus is that chief shepherd. That's why we've been learning pastoral ministry from him. Because he shows us what the good shepherd does. He shows us what good pastoral ministry is. And we've been shattering the idea that there is somehow a conflict the words of God never contradict each other. They always comp- complement each other. They always help us in- and <clears throat> interpret one another. They always help us w- to know and understand the Bible more fully, we never have contradictions in the Scriptures, ever, ever, ever. We have a friend of ours that gave us a book uh, because she is, uh, well, she wanted us to read this book, and in this book, it's a really bad book, and it actually talks about the contradictions of Scripture. And right there, right away, when you're reading something like that, you know that's a book that you don't want to give to lay people ever, but it's also a book that you should read with massive suspicion because the scriptures do not contradict themselves. And that's important because in the polemics of our day, you have these uh, this fighting back and forth and what you have is people picking verses rather than understanding and they're functionally taking the idea and the stance that the scriptures contradict each other and they're taking verses and they're saying, see, these are the verses we're standing on and they're excluding other verses when it comes to baseline pastoral ministry or baseline Christian ethics or applied theology, how we live this life out, how do we face Uh, When when it comes to commands like do not lie to one another or do not bear false witness and how that comes into play when you have people demanding you to put a face mask on and to lie to the world that this is a pandemic or to lie to the world that somehow you're an unhealthy person. These are implications that come out in the scriptures. And what you have is people saying, see, love your neighbor, therefore put the mask on or love your neighbor, therefore get the vaccine. And you see that when you have the whole Bible, you have the Bible complimenting and taking care to interpret itself. And it's not against itself. And that's an important distinction that we need to make. And so the the way forward in the public sphere for Christians and what we've been doing is, is isolating for certain Bible verses. The way forward in the public sphere for us, and it's always been, all of Bible, all of God's word for all of life. Whereas as Doug Wilson and the, and the Moscow Crusade, all of Christ for all of life. So we've got to look at John chapter 14 and see what God is doing in this text, what Christ is doing in this text, and how he shepherded it. I want to look at one verse and talk about the exclusive nature of this verse and see how this doesn't play. This gets you canceled. This is uh, something that not just gets you canceled, it gets you hated. And in fact, Jesus tells you that if they hated me, they're going to hate you because you're going to have the same message. You're going to be declaring what I have done, what I have said the words the works that I have done and the words that I have declared. So here's what Jesus says in John chapter 14. He says, Thomas said to him, how do we know that where you're going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, there's other statements in this chapter that would have been I mean just and that were Considered blasphemous. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now you do not know him and you have not seen him. Jesus didn't care. Please hear me say this. He didn't care about making everything as understandable as possible. He declared the truth and was okay if some people misunderstood it or if some people pick up, picked up stones to, to throw at him. Certainly we want to be as clear as we could possibly be, but Jesus, in his clarity, didn't find it necessary to explain everything he said to everyone who misunderstood he would make statements regularly, and he would declare the truth and even say, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And even in this passage, there's confusion. And then later on, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come and clear things up. And in chapter 16, we hear about the Holy Spirit more and again. But let's just focus really quickly on this passage in John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the exclusive words that Jesus says that everybody hates. I am the way. Jesus is not a way. He is the way. There is no other way in this life to find true life. The life he talks about later in the verse, there's no way to life except by way of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. He's not a way. He's the way that's exclusive. And anybody who, by the grace of God, and through the illumination and the, and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit who would repent of their sins and turn away from the way that they are walking and find the way Jesus Christ. There's there's life and there's hope and there's salvation found in him and him alone. And that's the good news. It's It's completely exclusive and it's open to anybody. But there's got to be repentance and trust in him. Jesus is the truth. He's not just a truth. He is the truth. The war today is over truth. I've heard a guy say years ago he said in a culture of cowards truth is hate speech and you can find the measure of the character of a society by how they approach the truth the history of the world has been a pursuit, even in, in secular philosophy, has been in pursuit of the truth. And today, pop psychology and pop philosophy is saying there is no truth. And it's been saying that for the last several decades. That that it's all subjective. It's up to UCS Lewis writes against this when he when he does The Abolition of Man and writes in a review of a textbook, a modern textbook, back you know, 80, 90 years ago. And The Abolition of Man is so good to say that truth is not in the eye of the beholder. The beauty is objective. There is an objective beauty in the world. And that we are to recognize it; we don't determine it. And that's the same way. Those he, he saw exactly where we were going, and the implications of that kind of ideology or philosophy is that when you when you move truth to the inside, then all then truth just and, and society in general just just crumbles. You see everything fall because then there's no standard, there's no truth that we've got to bend to. We we think we in in our fantasies get to define it. But Jesus is the way, not a way. He is the truth and the life. If you want life in this world, not just eternal life, and I say just eternal life, not meaning to diminish the idea of eternal life, but if you want eternal life, and think about the pastoral implications to this, guys, uh, the the declarations that we we stand up and say every single week, that, that Jesus is not optional here. You know, you can say to a lost and dying world, what in the world are you doing with your life? You are rebelling against the way, you're rebelling against the truth, you're rebelling against the life, and here, I'm here to tell you, to declare to you, the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can actually find the way. You can actually find truth and no truth. There is truth to be found. There's truth to be seen. There's truth to be loved. And there's real life in this world. You can experience joy and life and actually enjoy your life, for goodness sake. That half, happiness really is not just possible. It's found in Christ, on in this life, in this lifetime. And brothers, I want to encourage you pastors. I want you to crush it with life. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to enjoy, have your family enjoy life, your households to enjoy life. Listen, I've been to countless pastor, pastor um, conferences. You've been there, pastoral conferences. And I used to go to these conferences, sojourn conferences. We used to be a part of the sojourn network. And every single year. Every year when we would go, the first words out of the mouth of Brooks Ritter, and now Brooks is divorced his wife and, and it's just a, it was a mess, left the church and isn't writing worship music anymore, um, sadly. So he would stand up and he would say, uh, you feeling tired, exhausted, and beat down? Well, there's good news for you today. And pastor, you may be in a season where you're feeling exi- exi- you know, exhausted, tired, and beat down. That may be you. And I realize that there are certain seasons in life, in ministry, that that's the case. But I remember being there and thinking, no. Actually, I feel pretty energized and excited, and I love life and my family. Things are really, really good, and you know what? By God's grace... I'm going to just expect that things are going to continue to be awesome. There's going to be seasons of despair, but I've told our church regularly, and Pastor, I want you to catch this. I really want you to catch this. The Christian life is intended to be a life of joy with seasons of lament. It's not intended to be a life of lament with seasons of joy. And we get that, for some reason sometimes, twisted and turned upside down. But what Jesus is declaring is not that he's just offering the way, the truth, and the life, but that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you know Him, you are in the way. You know the way. You know Him. You have the truth and you have actual life, eternal life that starts right now. And you should experience that joy right now. And teach your other people. Teach the people that you're shepherding. The true shepherd has declared this exclusivity and in this exclusivity, we have truth, life, and we have joy. He is truly the way. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Please subscribe. Share this. Help me spread the word. If you would leave a review or rating on iTunes. I would appreciate that, and spread the word. And guys, we got some really exciting things coming down the pipeline, not just with the Shepherd's Crook, but with the Majesty's Men. We're going to have some announcements coming out and rolling out with that here in the next few weeks. Uh, but please, uh, just, just stay tuned into that, and you'll be hearing more information. But thanks so much for coming, and I hope you have a great rest of your week.